Open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John chapter 10. I believe this will be the fifth, the fifth message, the sixth message, I think, in the series of hearing God. Have you ever thought about how many times that the Bible likens people to different animals? For, for example, the Bible speaks about dogs, pigs, mules, <laughs> horses, ants, serpents. Be ye wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And I make mention of that because today we're going to speak about sheep. And of all of the things that I just mentioned there, the various kinds of animals... Uh, you might think those cute little things that, that this might be the most flattering of all of the things that God could use to describe you. But if you know much about sheep, you know that's not the case. For the most part, people think of sheep as being uh, those that are around them anyway and know something about them. They're stupid I don't know how else to say it. They're stupid. They're, they're stubborn. They stink. And they go astray. I mean, whenever they got everything they need right there, no problems, no enemies or anything, and they're just liable to go off astray somewhere into danger. Unlike the other animals, we think of the beast of the field and so forth, and Unlike them, it seems that the sheep was designed by God to be dependent upon a shepherd. Without a shepherd, the sheep are in jeopardy every moment. They need the shepherd for protection, for their provisions, prompting to go in the right direction, persuasion, because I've read of some of the old-time shepherds that literally broke the leg of a sheep in order, to, in order to keep it from going astray. Now, as bad as all of that might reflect upon us, the good news is we have a shepherd we have a good and a great shepherd who's he's able and willing to provide everything we need. So I want to speak to you this morning about the shepherd's voice. And if you're familiar with this chapter, you know that we could spend several weeks actually studying this because we could study about the shepherd proper, just the things related to, to him directly. But today I want to narrow it down to the shepherd's voice. The chapter opens with a parable that's given in response to, to the Jewish leaders who were angry because the Lord had healed a blind man on the Sabbath day. That's in chapter 9. Isn't it amazing that someone who's supposed to be so religious, so loving, and so caring about humanity that they had all been out of shape because the Lord healed a blind man on the Sabbath day? And in verse 10 of that chapter, that prompted them to ask this question. They said to Jesus, are we blind also? 
I've just got a feeling they came to a re, re, uh, to rethink that later on, don't you? I bet some of them wish I, I wish we'd never ask that question. Are we blind also? So in chapter 10, in response to that, the Lord is giving a parable here to prove that they were indeed spiritually blind. And so in the first six verses of the chapter, he expresses here uh, the, the parable, and then he begins to explain it in verse number, in verse 7, and I'm going to start reading there. Then said Jesus unto them again, again, again. It seemed like no, no telling how many times he said certain things over and over and over that they never got the message. He said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. And all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life. I love this next statement. And that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now look in verse number 24. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt if thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. And I'm wondering to myself, how can anybody be so dumb as these people? You know, sometimes we forget that unsaved people have been blinded by Satan. And for those of us that are saved, certain things that are absolutely obvious to us is some great mystery to them. They just don't get it. And they can't get it. And listen... Were it not for the Holy Spirit, you would have never got it either. Neither would I. We would have never figured it out. So they said, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. In other words, if you want evidence, just look at what I've done. But ye believe not. Because ye are not of my sheep. As, as I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, that they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Our text is verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So as, as we look at the shepherd's voice, notice concerning his sheep, verse 27, they recognize his voice. We think about all of the voices that, that's going out in the world today, all of the voices that's clamoring for our attention. You can't walk down the street without seeing a sign somewhere. It's a voice you know, saying, buy this, buy that, whatever. 
you turn the radio on, the TV on, the computer on, or wherever you go, it's in your face all of the time, clamoring for your attention. It seems like no such thing as just taking a, a quiet walk in the woods anymore to where there are no distractions. Voices clamoring for your attention. As I said back at the part of this, of this series, you can rest assured there are those who spend their entire lifetimes devoting themselves entirely to trying to get you to listen to the wrong voices. And the sad thing is so many people do exactly that. We look at our world and we wonder what, what in the world has happened. It wasn't this way whenever I was growing up. And that's really easy for us older folks. That's why I say we're living in a state of shock. We never dreamed of anything. And I'm not just talking about technology today. I'm talking about technology, morality, and everything you can think of. This is a totally different world than it was when I was a boy. And it's that way intentionally. Intentionally. Because there is a force, there is a power, there is an evil voice, as it were, leading us away from God into danger. And it's so sad whenever you see people listening to the voices of this world and head off in the wrong direction. It happens to church members. They'll run from one religion to another to another. They can't seem to ever really get settled on anything. And they're unstable. They're easily influenced by others. I'll never forget standing right back there one day somewhere toward the back talking to a church member telling me of his journey of, of investigating and trying all of these different religions, these Eastern mystic religions and, and everything. I mean, he had run the gamut. He would kind of tried them all. There are a lot of folks like that. The sad thing is a lot of them never come around to really seeing the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And even, even whenever these folks hear the truth, they don't recognize it. Because why? Because Jesus said, you're not my sheep. You don't hear my voice. You don't understand what I said because you're not my sheep. Chapter 18, verse 37, he said, Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Do you believe that? Now remember Jesus said that everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. If you're saved, you believe that. Why? Because his sheep hears his voice. And he addresses that and goes into detail there in in chapter number 8, if you're truly born again, you hear His voice. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about hearing a booming, audible voice from heaven. I'm sure there are folks that wonder, why doesn't God speak to us in that manner? Why? 
Well, if he did, you would never really know whether it was from God or not. You, you, how are you going to trace the source of that voice back to him? Think about it. All you hear is a sound saying something to you, but... Well, these sound engineers can reproduce something like that. You wouldn't know. Besides, you might have a heart attack and scare you to death. If he sent angels fluttering down on snowy white wings and they said, you know, you go back and sit down, we're going to preach today. Our heart couldn't take something like that. So when God speaks, understand that primarily God speaks to us through the Word of God, the Bible. And we can believe that because we have all of the evidence to prove that it is indeed the Word of God. They recognize, the Christian recognizes the Lord's voice, but they respond to it. It's one thing to recognize it, it's another thing to respond to it. Kind of like Mother, whenever she had called, come home supper time, you know, and I'd be out in the back somewhere playing. Whenever she said it's supper time, you better get in there if you was going to eat. And I could have, I could have just ignored that. Of course, I didn't. I enjoyed eating, but if I had ignored that, you know, come in an hour or two later, and and she said, "Well, didn't didn't you hear me? I said it's supper time. Yeah, I heard you. But there was no response." A lot of people say, well, yeah, I, I heard what you said, preacher. I listened to that sermon by Brother Kenneth the other day. I, I, I heard, yeah, but there was no response to it. Go back to Deuteronomy and remember what we talked about. The Lord, in hearing the Lord, the Lord expects a response. Notice, he says, they not only hear my voice, verse 27, they follow me. That's emphatic. He's not saying, you know, they might follow me. He says, they follow me. You see that a lot of folks that claim to be Christians, but they refuse to follow him. And there's something seriously wrong when a person professes to be a Christian, but they refuse to please the Lord by obeying the Lord. Every believer is called to be a follower of Christ. That's, that's not just for a select few. That's not a, just if you're a teacher in the church or an officer in the church. That's for every Christian. And according to our text, what does it say? They do follow Him. Let me tell you, following the Lord's not, it, sometimes it's inconvenient. Sometimes you've got to drop everything else, put everything else to the side in order to, in order to do what God wants you to do. Sometimes it's very unpopular. There are times that even members of your own family will not understand what you're doing. They'll think you've lost your mind because all of a sudden serving God is more important to you than anything else. And so it's going to be unpopular for you to do what God wants you to do. And you can mark it down, it's going to be difficult. The Lord never said it was going to be easy. Not only that, it'll even be contrary to your natural reasoning sometimes. That God will lead you to do things that in your mind doesn't even seem to be rational. It doesn't, doesn't make any sense whatsoever. All you know is, is that God 
spoke to you by His Word through the Scripture and His Spirit, and God has spoke to you and revealed to you, this is what I want you to do. It makes no sense to you, but let me tell you, there's never any excuse for us being disobedient to God. Never. You know, I've said before, when God called me to preach, I, I didn't know a lot about God then, and really I, I, I had this feeling that I was supposed to preach, but I, I didn't, at first I didn't know where it came from. I, 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 I was confused about it because uh, if you had known me then, you'd know I was the least likely of anybody you ever knew to become a preacher. I, just not supposed to happen. I, and I'll, I'll never forget that God made it so very clear to me, regardless of what you think, that's what I want you to spend your life doing. And that's why it troubles pastors when some people attend church maybe for many years and never show any concern about serving God. When you look at that in the light of the verses we've just read, you, you have to conclude that people like that must not be saved. But you also have to remember none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. There are times that we're all going to act out of character. There'll be times in certain episodes of our life, if we just isolate those episodes from the rest of our life, and somebody looking at us say, well, I'll tell you one thing, I don't think they're saved. They sure don't look like a Christian to me. In 10 minutes, you can undo 10 years of your Christian testimony. There'll be people that will refuse to believe that you are a Christian. So... It's easy for you and I to get confused about whether somebody is saved or whether, whether they're not. And that's, that's only natural. But let me tell you, Jesus isn't confused about it. He knows. Notice he said, I know them. He knows our nature. He knows that we are prone to wonder. But he also knows that if we're truly saved, that there is something within. Old Big Chief Weatherington, the base on the Statesman years ago, wrote a song called Something Within. Something Within. Oh, I, listen, I, I know, and especially in this Houston area with certain Baptists here, you, they get so bent out of shape whenever you get to talking about the witness of the Spirit and God speaking to you in your heart. But let me tell you, it's real. The Bible says He bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. And I, I could go on and preach about that, but let me tell you, if you're a child of God, there's something within you that's going to use the Word of God to direct you into the will of God. And so as much as we fail God, yet, yet within our heart, we, He knows that we have a desire to please Him. And you see, even then, we know His voice. In Australia, many years ago, there was a man that was arrested for stealing sheep, and he claimed that they were his, and somebody else claimed that they were his, and so he was brought into court, and the judge told the, def the defendant, he said, go out in the courtyard, you know, and call the sheep, the rightful owner. He goes out there and 
calls to the sheep, and lo and behold, all of the sheep begin to follow him. The other man tried to call, and none of the sheep responded. The judge said, case dismissed. Listen, the Lord, the Lord speaks to his people emphatically, rationally, truthfully. And if we're a child of God, there's going to be some manner of response to his voice. It might be a brokenness in tears because we have failed him. It might be with a great joy because he is calling us to do something for his glory. His sheep recognize his voice and they respond to his voice, but not only that, they rely upon his voice. As I said at the very beginning, you know, being likened unto a sheep is kind of humbling. Those cute little, seemingly cuddly little lambs and what have you, they're dumb, they're defenseless, they they don't have any hooking horns, no cutting teeth. They don't have any claws to fight with. They're defenseless. They're dependent upon the shepherd more than any other animal. They're dependent upon the shepherd. You ever think about how many enemies that you have in this world as a Christian? The enemies that you have, the danger the daily danger that you're in in one way or another. Notice Jesus here in chapter 10. He speaks about thieves, robbers, the hirelings, the wolves. These are all enemies of the Lord's sheep. He says they steal, they kill, they destroy. They're in danger. And you and I as Christians are in a spiritual warfare. And believe me, Satan's going to do everything he can to destroy you. He wants to ruin your testimony. He wants to ruin your life. He wants you to rob you of all of the blessings of God. And thankfully, the good news is Jesus is the great shepherd. He's the one upon whom we can depend. We can rely upon Him because He leads us away from danger. Psalms 23, I I thought, Lord, I don't think I can preach this message this morning without going back to, to Psalms 23. And then I thought, well, if I do that, then I'm going to have to talk about Psalms 22. And if I do that, then I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to go back and talk about Psalms 24. You see, the Bible speaks three times in three different ways about Jesus being a shepherd. Here in chapter number 10, notice he's the good shepherd, but over in 1 Peter chapter 5, he's called there the chief shepherd, and over in Hebrews 13, he's called the great shepherd. And if you've never done this, when you get home, you take time to read Psalms 22, and you'll see that in Psalms 22, he's the good shepherd. It speaks about the cross. It speaks about the shepherd that gives his life. But in Psalms 23, it speaks about the chief shepherd, the one who guides us. You get to chapter 24, and it's the great shepherd, the great shepherd who is going to come for us. You see, in those three psalms, he covers 
the past, Jesus died for us. The present, amen, he cares for us. And the future. I don't know about you, but I can rely upon a God like that. I can trust a shepherd like that, knowing that he has my best interest at heart. He says here in verse 11, He giveth his life for the sheep, that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Think about it. The lamb who died to save us is the shepherd who leads us. He died to give us life, and now He is our shepherd that is leading us. Thank God we don't have to depend upon our own natural reasoning about what we ought to do. Well, I'm a Christian, and I'm going to heaven, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to probably have a good number of years here on this earth. What am I going to do in the meantime? Aren't you glad God has a purpose for you while you're here? If he didn't, he might as well knock you in the head and take you to heaven the day you got saved. You could, you could have avoided a lot of pain, a lot of troubles, and a lot of trials. I'm being serious. He left us here, and he, he has subjected us. There. We've got dear members right now that can't be here today because of physical afflictions, because they're suffering, they're hurting if the Lord had taken them home, they would have never have to gone through what they're going through. Why did He leave them here? Because He had a purpose for them. And He has a purpose for you and for me. He's the shepherd that leads us, that directs us, protects us. Because we've got enemies that we can't defeat. We are up against powers that we have no power over except our shepherd who comes to our rescue. Are you relying upon his voice this morning for the direction of your life? Are you relying upon Him whenever, I mean, you are down and out and flat of your back. The whole world is against you. Your best friend has left you. Everything imaginable is wrong. Maybe like Elijah, you just feel like curling up under a juniper tree and uh, wishing you were dead. You don't have to live the rest of your life defeated because you have a shepherd that is able to supply your need. Isn't that what Psalms 23 is all about? Oh, He leadeth me in the green pasture. Beside this still water, his rod and staff, they comfort me. Aren't you glad to have a shepherd to meet all of those needs in your life? You can rely upon his voice. Not only that, but if, if you go back and look at something John the Baptist said, you'll see they rejoice at the sound of his voice. Chapter 3 and verse 29, he said, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, speaking of himself, rejoiceth greatly. Why? Because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, therefore, 
fulfilled. Now the analogies here is different. But understand the point is exactly the same. That God's people recognize the shepherd's voice. You say, well, preacher, I, I don't know whether I'm saved or not. I, I read the Bible once in a while, and, and I do attend church. Uh, surely that would be good enough for anyone. You read the Bible, but you never, really, you never really recognize the shepherd's voice as you read it. It's just a, to you a historical document, and you read the words, but it makes no impact on your life. The bridegroom voice. He said, this is, this is my joy. And whenever we hear the Lord's voice, we recognize this is from the Lord. This is God, the creator God. The one who owns all of the universe. The one who holds it all together. I, I read this and he's speaking to me. I recognize that. And I'm going to respond to it because it's God's Word, not man's Word. I'm going to rely upon it in a time of need. And I'll tell you, if that didn't make you shout, nothing would. Jeremiah said, Thy words were found, and I did. Well, some Baptists would have said, Thy, thy words were found, and I just ignored it. Thy words were found, he said, and I did. I did eat them. I consumed them. Remember Jesus saying, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. Jeremiah, why did it get you so excited? Well, he tells you, For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. He recognized the fact that the God to whom he belonged, the God that created him, the God that sustained him, the God that used him, this God was speaking to him, and that was the rejoicing of his heart. And the question this morning is, how about you? Because your attitude toward the shepherd's voice speaks volumes about your relationship with God, whether you have one or not. There have been some, you know, that I'm talking about kids that reach the age of accountability. They understand, they know, all the way up through the adults that week after week, they come and they go to class and they sit and they listen and they hear the Word of God. But there's never any reception of it, no response to it. Just They hear the words. They can even quote the verses. But nothing is ever done. Now whenever I said a while ago that the Lord communicates to His children through the Scriptures and by the Spirit, understand that if you're a child of God, you're going to hear the voice of God. And it might be in, it might be in commendation that, that He's pleased with what you did today. He's pleased with your response. I tell you, there's nothing like going home, putting your head on the pillow and going to sleep at night knowing that I've, 
I've done my best to please the Lord. As I've often said, the one, one thing I want to hear above all else is whenever I get before the Lord is to hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Oh, listen, to have the Lord to commend you for some act of faithfulness on your part, that, 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 give, that, that just does something to the innermost part of your being. It gives you a peace and a joy. But listen, if you're really a child of God, you recognize the voice of God, but sometimes it's not in commendation. Sometimes it's in condemnation of the wrong that you've done. I didn't say he condemned you like to a devil's hell. You're a child of God. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. No man's going to pluck them out of my hand. They might momentarily be acting like a heathen, but they're not. They're one of my children. And you better believe that when we get out of the will of God, you see, the Word of God convinces us of truth, but the Holy Spirit convicts us of our faults and our failures and our sins. If you can knowingly do what you know is not in the will of God and there's no conviction, you need to get saved. Because the Spirit of God's going to convict you. You say, well, preacher, yeah, I, I got saved years ago and I know, uh, but you know, for the last several years, I've just gone, gone back to my old lifestyle and I feel good about it except when I hear you and Brother Kenneth preach, I wish you'd stop that, you know, but I, I get along just fine without hearing that junk from you. Hey, listen, there are people that feel that way. And there are people that need to be born again because if you're a child of God, Jesus said, whom I, whom I loveth, I chasteneth, and I scourgeth every son I receive. That's why I just keep repeating over and over and over, no child of God is going to ever sin successfully. It catches up with us. Remember what I said at the beginning, sheep are dumb. That may not be the best word to describe them. Dependent might be better than that. But kind of any way you look at it, they're, they're, they're not all that bright whenever they just wander off into danger. Get distracted. Distracted from the shepherd's voice. And that happens so many times to so many people. I've got to stack that high of things that I want to preach so bad I can't hardly stand it. One of them had to do this week I was looking at it and I had to finally put it down and put it up. I thought, it's, it's, it, it'll be two or three months before I can even get to that. Talking about, you know, the zeal of the Lord. And, and they, you know, there's just so, so many people today that, that are distracted from what is really important. Look, and, and they're distracted maybe by something that's not sinful. The greatest enemy of the good is... The best, the greatest enemy of the best is what? The good. We let the sinless things become sinful, something that in and of itself it's fine, but we let it distract us from doing what we should. 
And then we expect God, like a little lamb, to follow along where we're going. You've got it backwards. We need to focus on what is most important, and then God will take care of all those other details. And the best thing any of us could ever do for ourselves is what? To do the will of God. So I'm asking you this morning, God is speaking. There's no doubt about that. The big question is, are you listening? And I raise that question because it might be that you're in grave danger of some sort. You're in grave danger and you don't even realize it. Solomon asked a question I think everybody needs to think about. Why? Why should a man die before his time? You know, the Bible does speak about extending our life. It tells children about it, right? It tells the kids, you know, hey, obey your parents. Obey and honor your parents. You can live a longer life. It's a whole lot better than all of the medicine you take. You live longer. That's what all of us want. We want to live longer. So obey your parents and it'll happen. But there's some point in time out there where God knows there's some point in time in God's mind and His plan that we'll never get beyond. I don't know where mine is. I said back a couple of years ago, I've got as much reason to believe that God will leave me here another 10 years as I do to believe that He'll just give me another 10 weeks or something. That, that's God's business. My business is on trying to, trying to live while I'm here. So you're not going to cross that point that's been set out there. But you can die any time before you get to it. Why would a man die before his time? You see, sometimes we find ourselves in grave danger and we didn't even realize it. That here I am, I'm living my life. Oh yeah, I heard His voice. I know what He said. I know what He wants. I'm just not paying attention. Distracted by something else. Ignoring what God wants. And then feeling like God's being unfair if we die before our time. You need to think about it. I know it's not pleasant to think about, but it will be if you determine in your heart, yes, I recognize His voice. God is speaking to me. I know what God wants, and I'm determined to the best of my ability and with God's help, that's what I'm going to do. This would be a really good time this morning to start. And if you're here today and you've never been saved, you've got something to worry about a whole lot worse than dying. And that is what happens to you after you die. Because just as there is a literal place called heaven, there is a literal place called hell. I'm talking about the place where I deserve to be. But it's the place that you will go to if you die without Christ. That's why Jesus said, I know my sheep. I give unto them what? Eternal life. That's, that's the offer He's making you this morning. 
The question is, will you receive it? Will you receive it this morning? We're going to have an invitation. We're going to stand together, and in a moment we're going to be singing. And maybe you're here and you've got all kinds of questions that and Brother Kenneth will be right here. And if you're a lady and you want to speak to someone else, we got we got ladies that are willing to come and pray with you and talk with you. But don't walk out just ignoring what God is saying to your heart. Let him settle that today. Father, use your word now to glorify yourself in order to help each and every person that's here today. Help us, Lord, to be, to be better at responding to the things that we know you're saying, the things that we've read in the Bible, what we know from the Holy Spirit being within us. Help us to not dare live in rebellion against you. And for that one that's here today that's never even made a profession of faith, Lord, today, may this be the time that the Holy Spirit will so deal with their heart that the only way they'll ever find peace is by putting their faith in the sacrifice that our Good Shepherd made for us. He laid down His life for us that we might live. May they come to know Him as their Savior this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. While we stand and as we sing together, Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain. Notice it's free to all. Not just some, it's free to 